This is an encore presentation from Veritas Radio. This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Force has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members for your loyalty and support. You are the ones who make Veritas possible. Tonight's special guest is Dan Sherman, who spent almost three years as an intuitive communicator while serving in the United States Air Force. He will tell us about his training and what he learned from his alien contacts while working for the NSA's Special Ops or more precisely, Grey Ops, which is beyond black. Dan Sherman will be with us shortly. To listen to tonight's full interview, become a Veritas member. Just go to our website, veritasradio.com, click on the subscribe button, and receive instant access to this and all our interviews. Why wait? Don't you think it's time to listen to the full story? When you become a member, you can listen to every program, audio and video, hundreds of hours in CD audio quality and take Veritas with you wherever you go. Don't wait any longer. Be proactive. Subscribe today. And if you need to get in touch with me, click on the contact button of our website and also join me on Facebook. Dan Sherman was a United States Air Force security policeman who is slowly recruited into Level 1 Gray operations with the National Security Agency. 
Sherman's recruitment begins with a shocking revelation, not by channeled information, but from an officer of the NSA, that he was genetically tampered with while still in his mother's womb in order to bring about an intuitive communicator who can communicate with aliens via code. The NSA had been secretly trying to engineer what they deemed as the next human step in communication with aliens into unknowing subjects in the 1960s, of which Dan is but one. The NSA basically let alone these subjects until the age of 25, at which time, by a process of seeming synchronicities, they were brought closer within the fold of secret intelligence. Every move they make proceeds down the well-oiled lines of behavioral science and very tight, practical, need-to-know scripting. What arrivals is that Dan Shermer's life had been engineered at a distance by the military, watching him at every step along the way all his life in order to eventually recruit him into the secret ops. For this and much more, Dan Sherman is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas Radio. Don't go anywhere. Dan Sherman spent almost three years as an intuitive communicator while serving in the United States Air Force. Tonight, he will tell us about his training, things he learned from his alien contacts, and the events that led him to seek a discharge from the Air Force. By coming forward, Dan hopes his story will encourage other insiders to do likewise. Dan served over 12 years in the United States Air Force and has been recognized for heroism and has been decorated with the Air Force Commendation Medal and the Air Force Achievement Medal with two oak leaf clusters. He has also received the Air Force Outstanding Unit Award with three oak leaf clusters, as well as being honored for service in the Persian Gulf. Dan is married and has two children. And directly from a desert, somewhere in the United States Southwest, just like me, I would like to welcome for the first time on Veritas, Dan Sherman. Hello, Dan, and welcome. How are you? Hi, Mel. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. It's my pleasure. And before we start, let me say thank you for your service to our country. Well, thank you. I appreciate that gesture. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, tonight, we'll be discussing a lot of information. And as I've read your book, and I've read it before, and I read it again, I want to tell the audience that Dan doesn't care if you believe or you don't believe. He's just sharing his story. And this is exactly what we do tonight. Dan, before we start, give us some background of yourself, uh, your childhood, growing up, and what motivated you 
to join the Air Force? Well, um, I, I was I had a pretty um, rough childhood, uh, to say the least. Uh, we were pretty poor. Um, had some abuse going on. Um, you know, it, it wasn't by any means an idyllic childhood. Um, but when I was in about fourth or fifth, uh, fourth or fifth grade, something like that, um, we managed a stables, a horse stables, around. Um, it was in uh, Yuba City, which is near the um, Air Force Base of uh, Beale Air Force Base mm-hmm. in the Valley of California. And one of the SR seventy one pilots, um, he. Uh, stabled his horses at the stables that we managed. And so I would talk to him all the time and I was just enamored with this person. I mean, I, you know, he, he was my hero and, uh, you know, he was in the paper. He got to meet president Carter cause he set the speed record between West coast and East coast. And it, it was, he was, you know, quite the man. And, um, from that point forward, I decided that I was going to be in the air force and he pretty much instilled that in me in our discussions and, and I found out later that, you know, that might have been a plant in my life to go forward and, and go into the Air Force. You know, I can't, I don't know that for sure, but um, it certainly fit into the mold. I don't know if you've heard of the story of uh, Sergeant Clifford Stone, but I, I find a similarity in the fact that you think that life, your destiny was going as you thought, but in the end, in retrospect, you may be looking back and, and thinking, maybe that Air Force officer was there as part of the master plan. Do you think it was part of it? Yeah, I think it's, it was uh, quite possible. I mean, you know, there's no way for me to know for sure, but, but knowing what I know now, based on what I went through, it was entirely likely that there was some sort of guidance there from, from uh, a higher source, so to speak. And at the beginning of your book, you, you clearly state that the subject of your experiences is wide open to ridicule and, and ostracizing, and you suffered with <laughs> yeah. that. It's one of the biggest reasons why more people have not made the, their experiences known. You were different. Why did you come forward? Well, yeah, I went through a, a pretty lengthy uh, mental process to come to come to the decision to come out with my story. I, I really, you know, I'm a, I'm a business person. Um, first and foremost, as far as professionally goes. So, you know, having a story like a life story like this does not exactly um, ingratiate yourself <laughs> wonderfully with with uh, people who are in the mainstream, so to speak. Yep. Now, of course, you know, you, you, you become a rock star in certain uh, circles of life, but um, not in the ones that you have to deal with on a daily basis. So, it was it was really extremely difficult for me to come to that decision to actually reveal what I knew and what I experienced because of that. I mean, you just you become or you you can become part of the fringe crowd when you discuss things like this. So, yeah, it was difficult. And it's almost as if you have an alter ego, as you say, in certain circles, you're accepted. In certain circles, you're disinvited or invited out of social gatherings if you start speaking of these French subjects. But just that's part of life. But yeah. Project Preserve Destiny, what was it and why are you speaking out once again? Um, well, you know, the, just to let people know, this book came out um, I guess about 14 years ago now. So yeah. it, it has been a while since I, since I actually um, wrote the book and released it. Um, but I, I felt that it was 
I mean, it came down to me realizing that this is too big of a story to not let at least my piece of the puzzle out into the public so that if other people have other pieces of the puzzle, they can put it together and we can start piecing together this, this grand um, design. And, and, you know, and I, I only know my piece of the puzzle, so it's not like I, I'm, um, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm adding a great deal to it, but at least it's out there and it can be amalgamated and, 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 and assessed and processed and, and turned through the, the system so that the entire puzzle can come together at some point. And maybe, I, and I do believe at some point we will know the, um, the origin of mankind, we'll know the, the origin of the universe through our, uh, our communications with other beings. And it's just a matter of time. I don't know if it's going to happen in our lifetime, but I, th I think it will happen at some point. And the way I want to treat this interview, Dan, because I know it's very difficult to, to interview you, and I, and I thank you for, for accepting my invitation. And you were with my friend, Kerry uh, uh, Cassidy, a, a few years ago. So I want to dissect your story as best as we can, because this is such a big story, folks. And you have somebody who's a decorated <laughs> military man here telling us the story. And as I said, some people may believe it, some people may not, but my job is to bring the information out and I'll do my best to, to get as much as we can in the time frame we have. How did the U.S. government identify you as uh, an intuitive before they assigned you to Project Preserve Destiny for the Air Force and the Na National Security Agency? I don't know that for sure, um, but all I have is all I have to go on is what they told me when they brought me into the program when I was in the Air Force. And the, the captain that, that briefed me into the program, he said that there was, um, as a result of communication that we had with, with alien beings in 1947, well, actually, yeah, I think he told me the year, um, that uh, we, or we, as in the government, the U.S. Right. government, uh, instituted a program that would... Um, call a, a certain group of, of humans into, a, into, this, into this program, which ended up being the program that I was in. But what it would do is it would give them the ability to intuitively communicate with this alien race. And so they started to select their targets in the early 60s. And when I say they, it was in concert with the, the U.S. government, and I don't know, maybe other governments too, but you know, I'm just speaking about the American government. Right. Um, but with the American government in, in concert with this alien being or alien race that they had you know, communicated with. And so the, the abduction started early, the early, in the early 60s to identify all these females that were uh, human females that were compatible with the procedure that they were going to undergo. And then they started tracking the ones that um, they had identified as good candidates genetically speaking, and then once they became pregnant, those females became pregnant just in, in the natural course of their lives. Once those, those women became pregnant, they abducted them again during, during the gestation period of, the, of the, the baby, and they did what, they, what he described to me as a genetic management procedure. 
and they genetically managed these offspring. So they were born naturally. They were all human, you know, 100% human. It's just that their DNA was was manipulated to the point where they could they had a um, a higher degree of success in this particular thing that they need them to do, which was intuitively communicate. And when you say abducted, abducted by the aliens or abducted by our mylaps? No, by, by the aliens, yeah. Okay. It was an alien technology. And you didn't find out about this until after. And I'll, I'll go step by step. At this, point, at this point, when you're in the Air Force, you have no idea that uh, your mother and you have been going through this. But were the no. other participants like you? And if so, why do you think they haven't come forward? Um, I, I know that there were other participants because one of them I went through school with. Um, we were we were told not to talk to one another. We we went into the same classroom, but we never spoke to one another. We never. Uh, I mean, we had no communication whatsoever. I didn't know him other than through the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know there's another person, obviously, and and the, the reason the program was was started and and, and um, progressed was to to set up a network of these people so that they could establish uh, command and control communications in the event of some future thing that's going to happen with electromagnetic communication. So they were this network of communicators uh, that wouldn't be able to uh, continue to communicate, you know, for governments and things like that. Now, this is the reason they told me, but, you know, that, that could very well have been a cover story. Who knows? I mean, that's, that's what he told me. Of course. So I know that there are others because otherwise they wouldn't have a network to, <laughs> to establish. So, yes, there are others. Now, the reason why they haven't come forward, I have no clue. I mean, they could be still in the military. Um, I mean, if they're, if they're part of this program to establish a network of communicators, then perhaps they uh, stayed in the military. Now, at some point their age is going to catch up to them and they're not going to be in the military anymore. So I, I don't know. Who, in your opinion, after being with the Air Force for so long, Dan, and going through through the project that not a lot of people go through, do you have any idea who the guardians of this information are? You mean human? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, human or non-human? <laughs> well, um Within the within the military, I, I think there's and I, and I go through this in the book where I talk about the the onion effect of security classifications and how they hide all the different levels. Compartmentalized. Yeah, they, they compartmentalize, but but they compartmentalize even more than what your your average security person might know, you know, or, or average uh, um, a military aficionado might know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they based on the compartmentalization, there are certain factions within the government that hold this information. And, and they're, not even, they're not even known by the people that are higher than them in the normal government. So like, you know, the president or, you know, different, different levels of, of the, the civilian government. Sure. So it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's quite elaborate. Let's just put it that way. It's an extremely elaborate program. And it, it all it all rides on the back of the need to keep black classified information, you know, like uh, advanced weapon systems and and you know research and, and development and technologies and stuff for the for the advancement of truly useful military 
you know, equipment right. and technology. I mean, we, we. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.